just one more announcement before I start. And that is Teddy Zvitzer. Where are you? Where are you, Teddy? Down the back there. Teddy, this week, he won the National Rising Star Award of the Year for Defence Industry Awards. That's cool. Well done, Teddy. That's great. I have absolutely no idea what that means, but that is awesome. That's fantastic. Well, we're going to continue our theme. Our theme this month is real life. Real life. And a couple of weeks ago, I started talking about the real life guidebook, which of course is the Word of God, the Bible. And we started talking about the fact that the Bible has a lot to say about real life and how to find real life. And so we're going to continue on with some principles from the real life guidebook today. The principles we looked at last time were these, that real life is more about the journey than the destination. That real life is more about what you speak than what you feel. And that real life is more about obeying loving correction than following willful intention. I encourage you that if you didn't hear that message, you weren't here for that message, check it out on our YouTube site because I think the context of that will uh, really challenge your hearts uh, from that message. Let's continue today with three more principles from the Real Life Guidebook. And the next principle is this, real life is more about what you pursue than what you avoid. Real life is more about what you pursue than what you avoid. Proverbs 21, 21 says this, whoever pursues righteousness, some of your versions will say godliness, Whoever pursues righteousness and unfailing love will find life, righteousness and honour. Book of Amos, Old Testament prophet, says this in chapter 5. It says, do what is good or pursue what is good and run from evil so that you might live. So that you might live. They are some good profound words. I remember when I first arrived in Canberra 16 years ago, within the first month of being here, the men of the church, and some of you guys might be here today, the men of the church decided to go paintballing, paintball shooting. And they invited me along. I mean, who doesn't want to take a shot at the pastor? (laughs) And so I'd never done paintballing before. We all went down to this place and got suited up in our overalls and goggles. And they gave us these paintball guns. And we had a few shots to see how it all works. And and, and for those that haven't gone paintballing, what happens is that there's a number of different strategic games that you play. And uh, so we went to the first game. And the first game, I thought, well, I don't know a lot about this. This is the first time that I've ever been. 
And so I'm just going to duck down in a little trench and I'm just going to observe, lift my head up and observe what's going on just for the first game, just so that I get an idea of how all this works. That was my second mistake. My first mistake was going. (laughs) And so I hunkered down in my trench But you see, while I was hunkering down in my trench, everyone else was running around. They were all moving. They were all getting to better positions for better shots, particularly better shots at the pastor. And I discovered very quickly that by sitting down in my trench and just observing I was becoming an easy target. I was becoming a sitting duck. It was like, welcome to Canberra, pastor. (laughs) Took me years. In fact, I don't even think I'm over it. (laughs) I learned a valuable lesson about Canberra. No, I learned a valuable lesson. In life, if you don't pursue, if you just get satisfied with where you're at, if you become content to remain in the same old, same old, if you just become a spectator and hunker down, it can sound nice for a little while, but you just become a sitting target. If you just hunker down in life, you know, I don't want to create too many waves. I don't don't want to be noticed. I don't want to speak up. Uh, I just want to keep to myself. I just want to do my own thing. The problem is this, that everything and everyone else is moving. So you actually end up not being in the same place, but you end up being further behind than what you were. You see, you can't live on yesterday's experience. You can't survive on yesterday's manna from heaven. You can't soak in yesterday's anointing. You can't dwell in yesterday's memories. We are called to be people who pursue. People who chase after, people who steadfastly move forward to lay hold of the prize that we have in Christ Jesus. You see, life hasn't called us to a life of safe. We're called to a life of faith. And faith arises when we get just that little bit dissatisfied about what's going on in our world. Faith arises when we get this holy discontent that comes upon us that says, God, I need more of you today than I had yesterday. Yesterday was good, but I need more today. I can't survive on what I had yesterday. God, I need more of you today and I'll need more of you tomorrow. Whoever pursues godliness will find life, our verse says. David said this in Psalm 63. He said, my whole being follows hard after you and clings closely to you. 
My whole being follows hard after you and clings closely to you. In another psalm, Psalm 42, David said this, As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. Many of you remember the chorus we used to sing. That's the one. But here's the interesting thing about that verse. Deers can act. This, this ain't Bambi. You see, deers in that area, mainly gazelles, they could survive a long, long time without water. They could survive by uh, getting their moisture just from the, the leaves that they would chew on. And so when a deer is panning for water, David is actually painting a picture here of something that is desperate, someone longing for so much more. This is not just thirst. This is a life or death moment. So what he's saying, God, it depends, God. I, I, just, just like that deer that's panting, I am desperate. I am longing. It is a matter of life and death to be with you, is what he's saying. And I thought about that. I thought, how desperate are we for the things of God? How hard are we chasing after our relationship with him? Is is our faith growing because we're pursuing or is our faith stagnant because we've become satisfied? You see, it's when we pursue It's when we pursue a relationship with Jesus that we find life. Chase after God with everything you've got. You know, he's the author of life, it tells us in the book. He's the author of life. But I just wonder sometimes how many have just read the introduction. There's so much more in God. So how do we learn to pursue I think Philippians chapter 3 gives us a beautiful passage on pursuing after God. In verses 12 to 14, let me read it to you. This is Paul speaking. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Then he tells us three things. Typical pastor. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I preach on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. The first thing we need to learn to pursue is this. Never kid yourself, you've arrived. Paul says, I haven't apprehended, I haven't arrived, I haven't yet achieved this thing. You know, I've heard people say over the years, you know, well, if this is all there is to it, well, I'm a little disappointed, I'm a little underwhelmed. Well, friends, that's the problem. The problem is it's not all there is to it. It's not all there is to it. There's so much more. Never kid yourself that you've arrived. I've been a Christian for quite a while now, but there's so much more to learn. There's so much more to digest. There's so much more that God wants to share with all of us. 
The next way to pursue, he goes on, talks about pressing on into the fullness of Christ. Aim for his possession and his perfection in your life to, to not just let Jesus be an occasional lease or a resident in your life, but actually to give him a home in your life. And then he goes on, he says, stay focused. I focus on this one thing. And you notice that when he says focus, it means both forgetting and pursuing. Forgetting and pursuing. So many people can't forget that which is behind because they don't pursue that which is ahead. The two go together. And then he says, pressing on towards what Christ has called you to. I thought about that. And that word press is so significant, so important. Because when you're pressing, it means that there's something that you are pushing through or you are pushing against. And so Paul is saying here, in spite of the opposition, in spite of the barriers that are against you, you need to still keep pushing. Pursuing means pushing. It means pressing on. It doesn't mean everything's going to be a bed of roses. But to keep pressing on. And finally, he talks about pursuing means going the distance, getting that prize going the distance, receiving that prize, finishing the race, having that kind of attitude that says there's one more hill to climb, I'm going to climb it and see the perspective from there. There's one more corner to go around, I'm going to go around that corner and see the view from there. There might be one more step to take, I'm going to take that step and then if so needed, I'm going to take another step and another step and another step, step by step. Because real life is more about what you pursue than what you avoid. Here's the next principle. Don't you love the Word of God? So practical and so full of life. Real life is more about what you hand over than what you hold on to. Real life is more about what you hand over than what you hold on to. Two, Matthew 10, 39 says this in the words of Jesus. He says, if you cling to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you'll find it. You'll find it. We tend to cling to so much in life. Material possessions, achievements and plans and status and reputation and listen we're not saying all those things are bad but you know we even cling to our hurts and we cling to our histories our our past we cling to our fears and our anxieties and our worries as if they make us who we are But Jesus is saying in this verse, he's saying that if we're willing to give up on those things that we tend to cling to and give ourselves entirely to him, we will find life. There's a story that comes out of India about monkeys that actually keep raiding villages and stealing all the food and they've become a real pest. And so... 
what the villagers decide to do is to catch these monkeys and relocate them. And what they do is they get a coconut and they hollow out the coconut by cutting just a small square in the top. And they hollow out these coconuts and and they pour about a third of grain into the bottom of the coconut. So the coconut is actually quite heavy. And then these monkeys come along and they put their pour into the coconut to get the grain. They take hold of the coconut, but they can't get their fist out because the hole's too small for a fist. All they need to do to avoid getting caught is letting go of the grain, but they won't do it. They won't do it. How silly. But when you think about it, we can be exactly the same. We can grab hold of things that we don't let go of to our own detriment. And then we can wonder why we don't have access to the freedom that we should have in life. But friends, the freedom is found in letting go and handing ourselves over to Jesus Christ. So how do we hand things over to Jesus? Well, the first thing is this. Realize that if he's not in control of your life, he should be. That he's actually the one who makes your life fruitful, who makes your life abundant. Our theme scripture for this year says that he has come that we might have life abundantly, that we might have life to the full, that we might experience life to the max. So realize that he needs to be in control. There's been many times in my life where I haven't allowed him to control my life. I admit that. So Jesus, you just take a rest on this one. I've got it covered. And then at the end of that period of time, I've come humbly back to him and said, "Uh, Jesus, I need you to control this because I've made a mess of it. Prayerfully lay things down at the foot of the cross. That's how you hand things over to Jesus. There have been times in my life where I've literally come to an altar area like this and I've symbolically put my hands out in front of me and I've thought of that thing that I need to let go of and in my mind I've placed it in my hands and I've bowed down and I've left it at the altar. Some of you may need to do that today with some of the things in your life. Say, God, I've held on to this for so long. I need to let it go. And you might want to come to the altar. I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end of the service to do that. And you might even put your hands together, hold that thing in your hand and then let it go. And don't pick it up again. Leave it at the foot of the cross. But you know what? That's not enough. What you need to do as well is ask Jesus for a replacement of that thing. Ask him for a replacement of that thing. So if it's fear that you're handing over, it's fear that you're letting go of, ask Jesus to replace it with courage and trust. If it's a hurt that you need to let 
go of. Ask Jesus to replace it with healing and with wholeness. If, if it's some form of bitterness in your life or disappointment, ask him to replace it with forgiveness and love and wisdom in dealing with it. If it's worry that you need to let go of and place at the foot of the cross, ask Jesus to replace it with peace and hope. If it's some worldly desire, ask Jesus to replace it with godly joy and a passion for the things of God. 1 Peter 5, 7 says this, it says, Cast your cares on the Lord, for he cares for you. Isn't that a beautiful scripture? Cast your cares on the Lord, because he cares for you. What's Peter saying there? He's saying this, hand it over. Hand it over. Whatever you're holding on to, hand it over to God, because real life is more about what you hand over than what you hold on to. Amen? Here's my last principle. Real life. Oh, this is a good one. I mean, they're all good, but this is a good one. This is goodera. <laughs> Real life is more about relationship with Jesus than the achievements of man. 1 John 5 Verse 2 says this, whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have God's Son does not have life. Doesn't get any simpler than that. Now I've heard over the years, I've heard people say things like this, that Christianity is just a crutch. It's wishful thinking. It's an escape from reality. Christianity, it's like avoidance. It's like burying your head in the sand to the brutal facts of life. Christianity is really just a coping mechanism. I've heard people say things like Christians are weak, Christians are fake, that they need to lean on fairy tales. They need to lean on myths to survive. Well, friends... The Word of God here tells us exactly the opposite. It tells us that when we find Jesus, we actually find life. We find life. When we find Jesus, we actually have our eyes open with understanding that when we find Jesus, we start to see the plans and the purposes that He has for our lives. Here is the fact. Here is the truth. Life with Jesus is as real as it gets. It's as real as it gets. Let me read to you 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26 to 30 uh, from the message, Eugene Peterson's paraphrase. I just love the way it says it. Take a good look, friends, at who you were when you got called into this life. I don't see many of the brightest and the best among you. <laughs> not many influential, not many from the high society families. Isn't it obvious that God deliberately chose men and women that the culture overlooks and exploits and abuses, chose these 
nobodies to expose the hollow pretensions of the somebodies. That makes it clear that none of you can get away by blowing your own horn before God. Everything that we have, right thinking, right living, a clean slate, a fresh start, comes from God by way of Jesus Christ. Wow. Wow. You know, the boast of man's achievements rings pretty hollow in comparison with the life that we find in Christ. Man's empires have come and gone. Man's structures have risen and crumbled to the dust. Man's achievements have been superseded by greater problems. Man's governance hasn't ended war and strife. Man's economics has not put the end of poverty and greed. Man's philosophy has not solved the moral dilemmas caused by sin. Man's science has only proved that there's still more questions and hypotheses than there are answers. Man's breakthroughs haven't healed our brokenness. But friends, Christ has made a way that we might be saved, that we might be free, that we might be forgiven, that we might be restored. Christ has made available to us abundant life now and eternal life in the future. Christ has given us a plan and a purpose and a future and a hope. Christ offers forgiveness. He offers freedom. He offers wholeness despite the world's shackles and limitations. Friends, Christ Jesus is the answer to the question. So how do we build a relationship with Jesus? And I'm not just talking to those who may be here today that don't yet know him as Lord and Saviour. The first thing, of course, is to invite him into your life, to acknowledge our sin, ask for forgiveness and accept his gift of salvation. But here's the next thing. Keep it real. Keep it real. Can I encourage you, don't become religious with Jesus, become relational with Jesus. Pastor Allen last week shared a story that Jesus told from Luke 18 about a Pharisee and a tax collector. The Pharisee was there praying in front of everyone, boasting of his achievement, saying things like, thank the Lord that I'm not like that heathen over there in comparison to a tax collector who bowed low and confessed that he was a sinner and needed God's grace. And Jesus said it was the one who kept it real, was the one that went home justified before God. See, religion is for those who want rituals but don't want relationship. It's for those that want disciplines but don't want to be a disciple. Keep it real. Build a daily connection with Jesus. 
pray, read the Bible, listen to what He says in your heart and then just follow that and obey His leading and remain connected to sincere Christians. Come to church regularly. Get involved in a group so that you can grow in your faith. Because real life is more about relationship with Jesus and the achievements of man. Let's close our eyes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. As I was preparing this message, I just felt we needed to open up the, this area down here. We often call it the altar. For people to respond this morning. And we're going to have leaders, pastors, connect group leaders who will come and pray with you this morning. Some of you this morning, it may simply be a case of you felt challenged to just chase after God with everything you've got. You may look back over the last few years and think, well, I've become a little cold. I've become a little disheartened. But I need to make a decision today to chase after God. For some of you today, it may be needing to hand over. And as I was speaking about coming to the altar and holding your hands out in front of you and symbolically making that act of laying that thing down at the foot of the cross, you need to do that today. You need to let go of that thing today. And then there may be people here today, oh, I hope so. There may be people that say, I'm ready to start out on a relationship with Jesus. I want to give my life to Him. I recognise that I'm a sinner and that Jesus came and died upon a cross and took my sin upon His shoulders so that I could be forgiven, set free and restored into a right relationship with God. And I want Him to be Lord and Saviour of my life. I pray that you'll respond today.